church, let's stand together and let's sing to his honor and to his glory today.
They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and, up, and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. All the way back in the book of Isaiah, we are promised a coming king. And that is what we are preparing to celebrate this month. The king who has come and robed himself in flesh on our behalf. Let us worship that king today. If you're visiting with us, we're so excited you're here. My name's Zach. I'm the lead pastor. We'd love to connect with you after worship. There should be a card in the seat back somewhere around you. Uh, we have a gift for you being here today just to show our appreciation for you taking time to visit with us. Or if you just have a prayer need or a concern, we'd love to have that, be able to pray over that and let us know how we can be praying for you and your family. But this time we're going to be taking up our offering as we continue in worship. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. God, thank you that the King has come. That God, we're not sitting around wondering what you're going to do. But the King has already come. So God, help us to worship that King today. God, we pray as we go into this time of offering, God, let it be all about you and your glory. God, would you use this to expand your kingdom and your glory and your name and your renown, not ours. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your
give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And
belongs to God. God created that. Amen. For us, God created everything that we have to enjoy. And you know, he created that out of nothing. Amen. Created that from nothing. What a mighty God we serve. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for what you did for us. You sent your son to this earth to live that perfect life for us, God, and to die, be the sacrifice, to pay the penalty for our sins, God. We give you praise and give you honor and glory for that this morning, God, and forevermore. We love you. Thank you. Now bless our time together as we hear the word preached. You have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, amen. Well, that is the last time you will ever see that video because we land the plane in the book of James this morning. And so, so excited to see you. Um, Appreciate Mike and the band for leading us in worship this morning. I also appreciate Mike for preaching last weekend. Um, and so we were down in Macon for a wedding, and so I, I did tune in and listen to him bring the word. He did a great job preaching, and so I appreciate him leading um, last weekend in my absence. And so, so glad that you're here. I got, just got to tell you, church, um, that I, I, I did miss you last weekend. I tuned in, I got to listen. I'm just going to be honest, there's something about not being physically present around the local body. I missed it. I missed walking in and being greeted by, by Miss Shirley. Where's Miss Shirley at? I missed I miss, I miss that. I miss walking in and wondering what type of shirt Kirk is wearing today. I missed it. So I, I miss seeing, I miss walking in and giving Miss Brenda a hard time. It's, it's one of my spiritual gifts. Amen. And so I missed you. I love you, church. And that's just, just as we're thinking about um, everything, it's, it's crazy. This time last year, we were meeting you for the first time, um, first Sunday in December. And so just can't tell you how, how much we love you and how much our love for you has grown over this past year. But James 5. As we attempt to land the plane in the book of James, I'm just going to be honest, it's, it's kind of a weird ending how James wraps up his book or his letter. But I think as we think about it and process it, I think it makes perfect sense for us today. So James 5, starting at verse 13. James writes, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed, and heaven gave rain, and earth, the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Father God, we pray now as we break open your word, would you speak to us, God? God, let us hear what you have to say to us this morning. And God, will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So, so far in the book of James, James has, has dealt with really a lot of 
more kind of individual things of what does it look like individually to live out the gospel and what the gospel requires of our lives as we live it out. And so we've talked about those things, like even going back to the very beginning of the book of James, that we are to endure trials. We know that we're going to go through those. But then even practical things, like what do we do with our lips, things that we say. But really, as we wind down the book of James, James is talking about really ministry in the church. What does this look like in terms of a local body of believers? And I've shared with you before, I love the local church. I'm passionate about the local church. That the local church is God's mechanism for proclaiming the gospel to the nations. Like you understand that, right? Like God thinks highly of the local church. Now the local church can be messy. Local church can sometimes have warts and problems and issues. But that does not change the fact of what God prescribed for the local church to be about. So I love the local church. And the local church, there's something beautiful about when the local church grasps hold of what it's supposed to be about. There's something beautiful about it. When the church understands, here's our mission, here's our purpose, here's why we exist, and here's what ministry is to look like. There is something profoundly beautiful about that. Does that make it less messy? No, sometimes it's still messy. Why? Because we're in the people business, and people can be messy. Amen? We don't deal with machines. We're not in the engineering business. Sorry to our engineers in the room. We're in the people business. And people can be messy sometimes. And ministry in the local church revolves around people. So let's see what James has to say. Two things I want us to see. First, I want us to see the ministry of prayer in the church. The ministry of prayer in the church. So starting, going back to verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Notice both of these extremes are in the same room. There's those who are suffering, and then there are those who are cheerful. Mike, can I just be like, this is one of the hardest spectrums to deal with in ministry. That any given Sunday, there will be those in the room that have had the greatest week of their life. In any given Sunday, there will be those in the room who have had the worst week of their life. And the church is 
everyone in the church is somewhere in those two extremes. That there are those who their team won yesterday. Sorry, I'm not touching, I'm not touching, I'm not going there. I apologize. I told myself I wasn't going to touch it, and I did. I'm sorry, okay? I'm going to be a good pastor this morning. I'm not going to touch that, okay? I'm going to mourn and weep with you. I've got sackcloth and ashes afterwards. We'll get into that. But any given Sunday, there's those two spectrums. Like one of the hardest weeks I ever had as a pastor was we had a church member who passed on Monday. We had on Tuesday, we had a young couple who had a baby. And so on Wednesday, I went to go visit with the couple that had the baby after spending Monday, Tuesday with the family who passed. And then on, so that was on Wednesday. Thursday, we had the funeral. Friday, I had a wedding going into Saturday. Like you talk about two different ends of the extreme. On the one end, one family's grieving. On the other end, there's this cautious excitement about having a newborn in the home. And then on the other end, there is this new family that is starting and getting married. And all of that's taking place within a single body of believers. It's a lot. So he says, if anyone's suffering, let him pray. If anyone's cheerful, let him sing praise. So no matter what you are coming into the room with, there is a place for you. Whether you are coming in and this has been the worst week of your life or you're coming in and there has been, it has been the best week of your life, the church is around you. This is what makes ministry beautiful. Is we don't just exist to rally around people who it's been the best week of their life. Nor do we just exist to rally around people who's been the worst week of their life. We're a body of believers who walks through that together. No matter where you are on the spectrum, whether you come in here and it's the worst week of your life, you've got people who will rally around and will pray with you. Or you come in here and it's been the best week of your life, you've got people who will rally around and worship Jesus with you and lift hands with you. That's what a body of believers is all about. And so James continues this. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So is anyone sick? Okay, call for the elders, the pastors, the leaders of the church to come and visit him, anointing him with oil. There's nothing magical about oil. All it is is olive oil. But it's merely symbolic of health and healing and wholeness that comes through prayer. 
So they pray over him, anointing him with oil. Now here's what I love about the church and this encouragement to pray. Is that we've seen the spectrum and we've seen if you're sick, call in the elders, anoint with oil, pray. Is that how often do we have the tendency to try to fool people into thinking we have it all together? See, that's not how being a body works. If part of your body is hurting, the rest of your body will know that it is hurting. Like you get up in the middle of the night and stub your toe on the couch. Does the rest of your body know that that is hurting? Yes. So as a body, we have to be in close enough community that we know when each other's hurting. And our most common issue in the modern day church today is we don't live in close enough community to know when people are hurting. We don't. We don't actually want to let people in to know when things aren't right, when things aren't okay. So how can we do this? How can we pray for one another if no one actually knows that each other needs prayer? How can we encourage one another if no one actually knows that you need encouragement? Because we don't live in close enough community together. We don't have close enough relationships with one another. This is why we talk about as a church where, where I'm praying we, we go in our core values is that we develop authentic relationships. That this whole Christian life is not a fake it until you make it kind of thing. That's not about how long can I keep the smile up when I walk into the doors. It's not about how long can I fool everyone around me into thinking I have it together. When you know you don't. Authentic relationship says I have built a community around me that I can go, brother, sister, I'm struggling. And that brother or that sister will go, okay, let's walk through this together. That's what authentic relationships is all about. Authentic relationships is not having the meltdown in the car on the way here and then saying, everybody put your smiles on, we're walking into church. That's not what this is about. Authentic relationship says, man, we're struggling, we're having issues, we're having problems. Let's walk through that together. And so this is the kind of ministry, this is the encouragement to prayer that James is talking about. My aim is not to get into the intricacies of what James is saying about anointing with oil. My main point is to say James is encouraging the church to have this type of relationship 
where I can call you and say, will you pray for me? And I know I'm going to get prayed for. That this should be the type of dynamic that exists in the church. That you can call me and say, will you pray for me? Yes, and I will pray for you. You can call me not only just for prayer, you can call me and say, will you celebrate with me? And yes, I will celebrate with you and vice versa. This is the type of ministry that James is depicting here. So we have this encouragement, is anyone sorrowful, is anyone sick to pray? But then James continues to talk about the effectiveness of this. He says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. What is James doing? He's encouraging them to pray by understanding the effectiveness of prayer. Like, how much more would you and I really be willing to pray for one another if we truly understood and wrapped our minds around, hey, I'm praying for Kirk. And I'm not just saying empty words. I'm going to the God of all creation to lift Kirk up to him. Does that not shape the way that I pray for Kirk? Does that not shape the way that I think about prayer? That I'm not just lifting up a wish list that may or may not go past the ceiling, but I'm going to the sovereign God of the universe who actually has the power to do something, going, God, would you work in Kirk's life? That is different. That is vastly different. That is prayer that works. This is James' point, that we pray trusting that God is able to do what only God can do. Does this guarantee that everyone's going to be healed all the time we pray for them? By no means. We are open-handed in this. Do we pray for the sick? Yes. Do we expect God to heal them every single time? No. Because here's the reality, God, in the life of a believer, God will heal them. It just may be on that side of eternity. Amen. So we pray, trust God, but we're open-handed that God is going to do what only God can do. So we have the effect that prayer is effective. Prayer works. So there's this effect of prayer that we're to pray and to confess sin to one another. 
And so we see the encouragement, the effect. But then lastly, we see the example. Verse 17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So James gives this example of prayer. So he goes back to the Old Testament. He says, think about Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I love that James says that. Because let's just be honest this morning, it's easy for us to read through the Old Testament and think of those as like in, in various other Bible people and think of them as like the special ops. Like these are the special forces. Like these are the ones who had it all together. And God used those people. And I could understand how God would use those people. I could understand that God would answer prayers like from somebody like Elijah. I can understand why, because they're special ops. They're the special ones. So I can read that and go, I can see that God would do that for that person, but there's no way God would do that for me. And James is going, no, 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 no. Understand, Elijah had a very nature just like ours. Elijah was just like you and I. Elijah had struggles, he had temptations, he had all of these things that you and I do. Elijah sinned just like you and I do. So he says, make no mistake, Elijah with a nature just like ours. It says, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. He says, you, you remember this narrative, right? That Elijah prayed, notice what it says, fervently, continuously, going before God petitioning the God of all creation. Like understand, like this is not a wish list that you drop off in the mailbox and hope that somebody picks up. This is continuously going before the God of heaven. It says he petitioned, he fervently prayed. One of my favorite parables in all of the Gospels is the parable of the unjust judge. And Jesus giving this parable, he's talking to his disciples and he, he's equating it to prayer. And that there is this woman who was treated unfairly and she keeps going to the judge and going to the judge asking for justice. And he says, finally, just to get this woman to stop bothering him, the judge gives in. And then Jesus makes a statement, how much more will your father who is in heaven do for you? 
It's as though Jesus is instructing us on prayer, saying, make it your mission to aggravate God with prayer. Like, what if that was our mindset? You know what I'm going to do today, Clint? I want to try to bother God with how much I pray today. What if that was my mission? What if that was my goal? Do you think I would start to see God do some stuff in my life if that was my mindset on prayer? That that's how much I want time I wanted to spend with God. That's how much I wanted to pray. That I was constantly going before him. And what if that was my mindset, not just about praying for me, but for praying for you? But Nelson, what if my mindset was, I want to aggravate God in my prayers for Nelson? Like where God goes, I'm tired of hearing about Nelson. What if that was my mindset? You think I would start to see God do some stuff? In Nelson's life? Certainly. So we have this example of prayer. And that prayer in the life of a church is vital. And so as James is wrapping up his letter, the very first thing he instructs us on is the ministry of prayer in the church. The church should be known for prayer. I'm not talking about whether or not a church has an up-to-date prayer request list that we take people off and take people on and we've got a nice logistical system worked out for it. I'm talking about a church that you know if you call so-and-so, they're going to the throne room of heaven for you. That's what I mean. Not do we have a nice system and way of keeping track of prayer needs. I'm not talking about prayer ministry in that regard. But that I know if I have a need of prayer, heaven will be bombarded on my behalf. That's what I mean by ministry of prayer in the church. But then second, we have the ministry of restoration in the church, the ministry of restoration in the church. These last two verses, my brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wondering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I'll be honest, the past couple weeks, I, I knew I was going to be pre this was going to be our last place we were going to land before we wrapped up the book of James. I wrestled with this passage. Because I'm just going to be honest, it seems so out of place. Like this just does not fit the flow of James. 
But I believe this is what James is doing. That James has given us some pretty hard truth all throughout the book. James has talked to us about the way that we are to live, the way we are to act, the way we are to go about our lives. And James understands full well that those things are hard. It's hard to live the type of life the gospel calls me to in response to. Those things are hard. And that throughout the Christian life, I am going to stumble. I'm going to fall. I'm going to mess up. But you see, here's the beauty of living life in a community of believers. Is that there will be those who will catch you. There will be those when you start wandering off will lovingly pull you back in. See, this is the point that James is making, that he wants them to understand. As a church, if you see someone wandering off, the message is not good riddance should break our hearts that we run to grab them and bring them back in. It's not okay and enjoy it out there. We've got our holy huddle in here and we don't want you contaminating our holy huddle over here. It's no I see you wondering. I see you going off into things that you and I both know you shouldn't go off into. And I lovingly pull you back in. You see, James understands the Christian life is hard. Christian life is difficult. That James has been incredibly black and white throughout his entire epistle. But the Christian life is meant to be lived in community. The Christian life was never meant to be lived by yourself as a lone wolf. A lone wolf Christian will never last. We need one another. And so as a church, as we see people wondering, are we lovingly pulling them back in? Or are we just letting them wonder? And so this brings us to our central idea this morning. And really, I think as we think about today in the book of James as a whole, it's this. The gospel produces characteristics in the life of a believer that are cultivated and demonstrated 
in the community of believers. Like there are things that the gospel produces in my life. There are things that the gospel produces in your life. We must understand that those things are cultivated, they grow, and they are demonstrated, they are shown in the community of believers. This is where James lands the plane. That how do I work on my tongue? How do I work on my speech? Do I do it just by sitting down and reading a book about how to speak more God-honoring language? Ten easy steps. No. I do it by having brothers and sisters around me. I do it by having those that will encourage me and walk alongside me. How do I endure trial and temptation and tribulation? By having brothers and sisters around me who encourage me and walk alongside me and lift me up in the midst of that. How do I do any of these things that James talks about throughout his entire book? By having a community of believers around me. That's how I do those things. That's how you do those things. There's no such thing as a lone wolf Christian. You need a community around you. Several years ago, there's a, there a book that was written It's called Building a Discipling Culture. And in that book, he, the author argues that discipleship takes place in what is known as a high-challenge, high-invitation context. Here's what I mean by that, that a high-challenge means we push one another. We press one another to follow after Christ. We push one another to grow in sanctification and holiness. We push one another. But a high invitation context is one that we care about one another. We love one another. We can wrap arms around one another and encourage one another. You see, Kirk, let me borrow you for a second. If you'll just kind of come stand right, right there in that general area. You see, here's, here's what this looks like. If you'll go to the next slide, there's a little graph that's there. This is essentially what he argues, that going from the bottom of the graph to the type, top of the graph is the amount of challenge in the church. Going from the left of the graph to the right of the graph is the amount of invitation in the church, how well we love one another, how well we care for one another. So if you look at that bottom left side, that's a church that's low challenge, low invitation. We really don't push one another to follow after Christ. 
and we really don't love one another. All we really do is just kind of show up on Sundays, occupy the same auditorium. We don't know one another, don't really care for one another. And so as we're pursuing after Christ, if we're that kind of church, Kirk's over there, I'm over here, and the sanctification journey is, is moving up here, and we're really just in the same building. Really not growing. I don't know anything about Kirk. Maybe we say hi in the hallway. But he's not really challenging me. I'm not challenging him. And we're really not encouraging one another. As we move from that bottom left to the top left, that's a, that's a church that is high challenge but low invitation. So we're going to push one another, but we're not really going to love one another. So here's what that looks like. This is the journey of sanctification. And so, Kirk, you need to get out there. You recognize where you're at is not good. You need to make this journey up here. But here's the deal. I can't love you until you get here. I'm not going to encourage you till you get here. What impact is that going to have on Kirk? I'm going to challenge him, but I'm not going to love him. But then we move to the bottom right, and that's high ch or low challenge, high invitation. And Kirk, will you recognize where you're at is not good? And we want to get there, but listen, it's just going to be okay. We don't really have to go there. Where, where you're at as a husband and a father, you're doing just fine. We don't have to go there. I'm going to love you and I'm going to encourage you, but you're fine right here. He's being loved. He's being encouraged, but he's not going anywhere. He's staying exactly where he is. But then the last group, a high challenge high invitation kind of church. Says, Kirk, I, you know we need to be there. You know you need to grow in Christ. You know the type of husband and father God's called you to be. And listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go there together. That's that kind of church. That's where discipleship happens. And this is the point that James is talking about. Thank you, Kirk. All of that happens within the community of believers. That we want to challenge one another. We want to say, hey, there's more to grow in Christ. There's more sanctification to be had. There's more steps you can take as a husband, as a wife. There's more steps you can take as a father, as a mother. But we're going to walk that way together. I'm going to be in the mud with you instead of expecting you to get out of the mud before I can help you. That's where discipleship happens. 
So this is James' point as he lands his plane, as the band as comes back to the stage. All of this happens in community. But James has said some pretty hard things. How does he end? Pray for one another, restore one another. James, we're, we're struggling with trials right now. Pray for one another, restore one another. James, we're struggling with our speech. Pray for one another, restore one another. James, we're struggling in whatever area. Pray for one another, restore one another. At the end of the day, the book of James is pretty simple. There are things the gospel produces in your life. And you have been gifted a church, a community of believers to help cultivate those things in your life. That's where James ends. And so the question for us today is, A, am I a part of that community of believers? I'm talking more than just church membership. I'm talking more than just signing your name on a card. And for some of you, that may be the first step. Say, hey, I want, I want to identify with this body of believers. What a great day to do that. But for some, it may mean it's time for me to be known. So I need to plug in and I need to connect with other believers. Let us help you with that, to be known and to be a part of the community. And then maybe for others, you would say, I need to be discipled. I want to grow in Christ. I want to have those types of relationships. Maybe today's the day you commit to that. Whatever it is today, I'm going to be standing up here. Clint will be standing over here to the side. But maybe today's the day you make that step to say, I want to be a part of community so that I can grow in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. God, we pray now, would you speak to us, draw our hearts to you. God, show us the areas, God, that we're not plugged into community. Show us the areas where we're not growing because we haven't been known. And God, would you draw our hearts to you. We'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we respond today. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In 
in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken I am forgiven the King seal the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me seated just for a moment. Again, thank you so much for being here today. A um, couple quick announcements as we get, get things wrapped up. Um, again, I want to give a couple quick shout outs. If you went to the OCC packing, would you just kind of raise your hand real quick if you went on the trip yesterday. Thank you all so much for going. Uh, what a blessing that was. 
I think we had 22 packing boxes yesterday. Um, and so thank you so much for, for everyone that went um, and were a part of that. And then also I want to give a shout out as well. Thank you everyone that helped came by this, come by this week and get everything decorated for Christmas. It looks great in here. And so I appreciate all the help and the hands that helped put everything together um, to get everything ready for this month. And so you can see a few other things going on. Of course, Lottie Moon Christmas offering is going on. I um, encourage you to give. There's, there's envelopes at the foyer desk. And you can see a few big things coming up. So next weekend, got a couple things. Got our senior adult trip. And so if you have any questions, you can see Miss Brenda, talk to her about that. And then that Sunday night, we have Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. Um, and so, again, encourage you, if you're willing to volunteer, we'd love to have some extra door holders and some greeters throughout the campus um, just to kind of help get people in. Because if I'm sure you are aware, if you've never been here before, you may not know where to go. Um, and so just some extra folks to help show people around. We're expecting a large turnout that night, um, so we'd love to have a few extra hands there. And then, of course, the 17th. Um, children's musical, Not So Silent Night, that evening. Encourage you to be in prayer for that and, um, and come, come be a part of that. Help encourage and support our children as they put on that musical. Amen. All right, last thing before we go, we're so excited. We have Colton and Julie and Violet Smith. So if you want to come right here, um, they are coming today. They, they are coming as. New church members, so candidates for church membership, they want to make airline their faith family. Um, and they, they've already plugged in. I'm sure you've seen them around um, various places and all over the place. And little Miss Violet here, you've probably got a chance to meet her. She'll talk to you. Um, and so, but we're so excited for them. We love this sweet family. Um, and so if you, if you just want to put your hands together and encourage them, and welcome them. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray to dismiss us, and then after we pray, just they're going to be standing up here. Just come by and encourage them. Um, shake their hand. Let them know how excited you haven't met them yet. Great opportunity to meet them. Um, let them know how, you, how excited you are for them to be plugging in um, to what God is doing here up at Airline. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Thank you for today and just the opportunity to worship you and to make much of you. God, just thank you for the Smith family. Thank you for their willingness to come and plug in and be a part of this church body. God, would you use them, encourage them, um, God, and continue to grow them here as a part of this family. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the honor for today. In Jesus' name, amen.